I-V-M. You know, you must have heard of this famous saying that if you don't use it, you lose it, right? From my chemical angle, this one, nothing can be more true. What does the future of healthcare have in store for us? How is it evolving to help people live not just longer, but better? Health has always been a crucial topic of debate, but it has never been a part of conversations like this before. Welcome to Health as We Know It, presented by Abbott, where we talk about how innovations in health are shifting the way we see, manage and treat it. It's no secret that we all age, but with aging can come muscle loss, which can directly impact mobility, strength, energy and immune health. Starting at age 40, adults can lose up to 8% of their muscle mass per decade. And this rate can double after the age of 70. To talk about why muscles matter and to tell us how one can know that they are losing muscles and what to do about it, we have with us two guests. Dr. B. Ravinder Reddy, Consultant Surgeon, Division of Surgical Gastroenterology and General Surgery, Care Hospital in Banjara Hills, Hyderabad. He is the President, Indian Society of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition, ISPEN and Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition Society of Asia. He is also a panel member for the World Health Organization's Guidelines for Nutritional Support in Hospitalized Patients in the Southeast Asian Region. Welcome, Dr. Reddy. Thank you very much. Our second guest is Mrs. Yasmin Karachiwala, who is a fitness instructor and one of the most sought-after celebrity trainers in Bollywood. She is a recipient of many awards and accolades, like the Giants and Rotary Awards, to name only a couple, for her contribution to health and fitness. Welcome, Yasmin. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you for being here. Dr. Reddy, I would like to start with you. Today, people, they are wanting to eat right and exercise but are still unaware of the concept of muscle health or that muscles do matter. What is muscle health and why is that important? Thank you very much. It's a very, very pertinent question. And you're right. One of the reasons is they think that uh, muscle is something meant only for the Bollywood or the Hollywood actors or for the bodybuilders or the those are entering into the sports as such. But then muscles are so very important for everything. Not only just in our day-to-day activities, like getting out from a sitting position or sitting down, from a lying down position, you know, routine activities, walking, jogging, lifting, things as simple as uh, a kitful of water in the bathroom, or reaching high up, getting onto your uh, toes and uh, reaching high up. Apart from that, 70 to 80 percent of the muscle is actually made up of proteins. Mind you, we've got about 20,000 and odd proteins in our body, and everything in our body is actually, there's a protein involved. Normally, proteins are made up of, if I have to use the jargon called amino acids, they are made up of amino acids. And it is the amino acids that actually take part in each and every step, each and every biochemical reaction, which is occurring in us. We are what we are. Actually, it's because of the muscles. It's not just, you know, locomotion. It's not just hands. We, as the conventional digital says that muscle is important from anything, but muscle is more important for many of the biochemical actions. This makes me ask you the next question. How can people know that they are losing muscles? Are there any signs? Most often, no, there are no signs as such, unless they are challenged. And the only way which uh, at least more than half of us are challenged that our muscle mass is suboptimal or it is not as it should be is. When a person comes to me and says that he's had this median cold and it's, you know, he, he's yet to get over it, we just tell me that hmm, probably something with his muscle mass. Now, muscle mass is very important as far as the immune system is concerned. You know, you must have heard of this famous saying that if you don't use it, you lose it, right? From biochemical angle, this is one of, nothing can be more true. 
the common thing is whenever some of us would have had fractures and especially even though they're very nice, you know, the cluster of palaces and it's a nice phrase for the friends to, you know, scribble saying get well. But what most of them do not know is by immobility, the muscle beneath this plaster is getting distorted. It, we are losing that muscle because we are not using it. And when I say we are not using it, it is not just for strength. It is for various other homeostatic processes which I just showed you about. To mount an adequate immune response, we need to have a robust immune response and to have that element switched of inflammation which we so needed. And mind you, inflammation is a very, very intense reaction in which NFC intense reaction. It needs a lot of molecules. It needs a lot of energy. And where does it come from? The muscle has to break down its proteins, germinal acids, and provide. And that leads to muscle loss. Thank you, doctor. And uh, just to cap what Dr. Reddy was saying, you may not have any signs that there is some muscle loss happening or your uh, muscles are in a suboptimal position until it's too late. But for you, the listener, if you want any help to determine your muscle age, there is an interesting test online to measure it. If you visit muscleagetest.in, you can follow the simple directions on that page to find out whether or not your muscle age is within the normal range for your age. Okay, uh, can I just add on to that? Sure. When we see a person who's uh, got suboptimal, we think that the person has an element of loss of muscle. The medical terminology of loss of muscle is sarcopenia, sarcosis, flesh, penia means loss. Layman's language, we can say that there is poverty of the muscle. Now, there are three, actually three things in which we look at the way, the how much the person has lost the muscle. Number one is to assess the quantity of the muscle. The second and equally important is the quality of the muscle. In other words, the functions of the muscle. The functions of the muscle, there are many, many tests. And one of them is actually the, as you just mentioned, the muscle age test dot in. It's one of the things called the chair, sit and rise test. If the person can sit and stab, he doesn't need any help. Without any arms to the side, to the chair, we ask the patient to get up and sit at a comfortable pace in about 30 seconds. If for a female, it should be at least 15 times or more, and for a male, it should be at least 70 times more. Or, alternately, we mark about four meters of length on the floor. And we ask the patient to take his you know, walk, the casual stride of casual walk. He or she should be able to walk at least 0.8 meters, in other words, 800 centimeters per second. Yasmin, I would like to bring you into the conversation right now. As a fitness expert, do you also find the problem of poor muscle health common? Extremely common. And the problem is with the Indian population more so is people relate muscle to like looking like a Salman Khan or, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when you talk about muscle or you females will come in and say, no, no, I don't want to build muscle because they're thinking that they have to be big, bulky muscles, you know, which are going to show. It's really important to educate them and to tell them that it's not just muscle for looking, you know, big. It's muscle for daily function. Women, more than men, lose muscle after a certain age. And, you know, then you have all your problems as osteopenia and osteoporosis. So it's really, really important for women to focus on building muscle, healthy muscle, muscle that's going to help them live a well-balanced life. And I think for me, being in the fitness profession, after 30 years or three decades, I've finally managed to uh, convince my clients that muscle is important because I think in the fitness world and with women mostly, it's about looking good. They're like, oh, why do you need to work out? You're so thin. 
And we do something called the body composition analysis in our studio when anybody comes in. And that shows them what your essential muscle that you require, whether you're a female, whether you're a male, whether you're you know, below 18, whether you're over 30 or 40, and what your requirement of muscle is to lead a healthy lifestyle in comparison to your fat. And mostly people have very low muscle and very high fat. I go on to explain to them that you don't need to go to a gym and like lift heavy weights. And that's not only way to build muscle. Muscle can be built at your desk. And I have this really nice set of five exercises that I do with my corporates, you know, and I tell them, you sit in the office, it takes you five minutes and you can do this multiple times a day is do a couple of squats as you get in and out of a chair. Do, you know, do a couple of push-ups on your desk, freehand push-ups on your desk, do some abdominal work sitting on a chair and just bending your knee to your chest, do some triceps, get off your chair, hold the chair. If it doesn't have wheels, <laughs> otherwise yes. it would slide out. Yes. And do some tricep dips and then you can just sit and do some freehand shoulder workouts for like 25 reps in each direction. And, you know, simple things like that can activate your muscle. And I think if people just focus on movement enough, because we need such sedentary lifestyles, everything is at a click. You know, groceries are at a click. Paying telephone bills is at a click. Everything is on your mobile. So my advice to people is why don't you use your mobile to remind you to move? Just set alarms a couple of times a day. Walk for five minutes. Do some stretching. You know, do some squats. Yes, use technology for the better. I think uh, that is the idea of this podcast series also. So you hit the nail on the head. I wanted to sort of understand, you know, are Indians genetically low on muscle bars? Thank you for this question. It's a very important question. And some of the archaeologists from India published an article, I think, in 2020 or 2021, I forget now. But then, in all their uh, research activities, what they found was, right from the beginning, the amount of muzzle vast in this part of the world was definitely lower compared to the others. Now, that is a backdrop. Now, fast forward to about 1950s, 60s, 70s onwards, when... Uh, from an impoverished society, we started becoming, you know, there was an ex natural expansion of the middle class. And uh, these background Gs, they are called as the uh, thrifty Gs. And once we started, I wouldn't say overgrowing, but once we started having an adequate amount of diet, in other words, unhealthy diet, definitely we started putting on weight. For example, if you take somebody who's 70 kilos, uh, let's say a European of, of European ancestry, out of 70 kilos, and on an average, about 38 to 40 kilos are made up of muscles. Whereas an Indian, the same 70 kilos, right? He probably has, he or she probably has about, or she has nest, but he has probably has about 20 or 21, 22 kgs of muscle mass, which is drastically inadequate. As we all know that at least we need 40 to 50 percent of our body weight should be made up of lean body mass, which is muscle mass. So by that definition, we have no muscle mass. But to look from outside, we are well built. So there's a thing called trophy, thin outside, fat inside. I have a machine in my room called bioelectrical independence analysis. Tells me the amount of proteins they have, tells me the amount of muscle they have, tells me the amount of fat they have, tells me the amount of water they have, both in the cell fixed in the outside the cells. Right. But what tends what is important is it tells me the amount of fat versus eating body mass. And guess what? Doctors, even in doctor community, more than half of them have normal weight, but their muscle mass is suboptimal. In other words, they are sarcopy, or at least they are at the risk of developing serious issues. 
So coming back to the mere main question, we have more fatty muscle loss and does it does it make a difference? Yes, it does make a difference because most of this fat was in the wrong places. And when I say wrong places, I do not mean the thighs and the buttocks. I mean the tummies and in the viscera, in and around the intestine. And more dangerously, in the wrong places, apart from the liver, we all know that fatty liver is a rapid thing, it's an epidemic, apart from fat getting infested in the pancreas and the heart, apart from this, they go and get accumulated in the mother. The result of which the mother function actually is suboptimal. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that, uh, Dr. Eddie. I just wanted to know, and I'm sure the listeners do as well, what can one do to improve muscle health? The most important thing is actually a well-balanced nutrition. When I say well-balanced nutrition, we should have adequate amounts of uh, macronutrients. Now, macronutrients are the nutrients which you have in big amounts or the aqua amount. Most of them are carbohydrates. The others are proteins and fats. Apart from these macronutrients and all the vitamins, the water-soluble vitamins and the fat-soluble vitamins, we don't need to guard ourselves excessively, but we need to just take about enough vitamins to maintain a leader. But one is nutrition. Apart from nutrition by itself, we'll not bring in muscle mass. We, they need to have an anabolic stimulus. We need to have an activity. So for healthy individuals or people who want to remain healthy apart from diet, equally important is to inculcate some element of a physical activity. Physical activity is of two kinds. Number one is fixed exercise. Fixed exercises are you know, encroaching on, you see, as we territory, but fixed exercises are uh, you can go to the gym or uh, you can go to the pub, whatever. There are two kinds. One is aerobic and one is resistance. Both are equally important. The aerobic exercise where you don't get back deafness, if you're doing any exercise and if you're able to talk a full sentence or sing, and if you're able to sing, that is aerobic. Right? You become so breathless that you can't even finish one sentence, then it is aerobic. But then, resistive things are just something in the chair which is not becoming more and more uh, popular. The third thing, apart from the diet and apart from stimulus, is actually uh, if somebody's got the physical activity the whole day. If somebody sits, especially this is so very common, especially with IT professionals, in the evening they go for an hour to the gym, but the rest of the day is that they sit the whole day. The fourth thing is, by this afternoon you can act, even if you have a genetic bad luck or diabetes or high blood pressure, you can actually, you know, be bring them down who are very manageable. They should be very, very mindful of what they eat and their physical activity. At the same time, they should be aware that the more they be physically active, better it is for them to manage. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Eddie. I think uh, that was, you really sort of summed up that question. I do need to ask uh, Yasmin on her point of view in this regard. I, of course, want to know what your tips are on improving muscle health. And you did bring about an interesting point that, you know, people generally do want to sort of look good. I also wanted to know that, do you see people who, you know, seem to be thin outside, fat inside? Do you see people like that who you sort of, you know, look in, come into workout, but are actually don't have great muscle health? Have you seen examples like that? And and what would your suggestion be to those people to improve muscle health? I think as fitness professionals, it is our duty and our responsibility to educate our clients that why are we doing certain things? That, and for me, that is, you know, what I look forward to is teaching people how to live a healthier life, how to understand their bodies. What's important is when your immunity is good, your muscle is good, how soon do you recover from it? And that's what's important, you know, how quickly can you, you know, spring back into your normal day-to-day -day life is, and that is your muscle health and your overall immunity. 
that's the reason I'm writing a book which is called The Perfect 10, which are 10-minute workouts that people can do anywhere. And that's what I advocate to people that even if you can remove 10 minutes in your day to do some sort of physical activity, it's enough to keep you fit. No major gains in your body or the way you look and, you know, but the way you feel is going to improve. Yes, absolutely. Yasmin, and I'm sure we would be waiting for this book that you're writing right now. And I'm sure that a lot of people who would, uh, you know, be, I can think of a lot of people in my life who would, would find it very useful. So looking forward to that. The tips that you gave in your answer to the last question, these tips could work well for younger adults. But what about older people? How can they take care of their muscles? As you grow older, you need to do exercises that are more fluid, right? Exercises that feel good. So if you've had a knee replacement surgery, for example, there is a whole protocol of things you can do. They make you walk on day one after a knee surgery. There are exercises you squat against the wall. You go only 20 degrees into the squat because you want that muscle to learn flexion again. It's not like just because you've had surgery, you can't do flexion. And the same with older adults who have, say, a back problem. You know, their spine becomes immobile, their spine becomes stiff. So you have to learn how to make your spine fluid. When you know the result of what you're doing is going to give you, it suddenly doesn't become exercise, right? It becomes a means to an end. So you enjoy the process of where you want to reach. Dr. Reddy and Yasmin, this question is both for you. Maybe Dr. Reddy would want to jump in right now. In your opinion, is there any specific diet that people should follow? And maybe Yasmin, you could follow it up with something especially for women also. Yeah, I mean, like I already said, the most important part of the diet is adequate carbohydrates, adequate proteins and fat. If we talk about proteins for a while, and then proteins are actually, as I said, made up of amino acids. We make a, quite a lot of amino acids in our body, but there are a few of them which we do not make, and they are called essential amino acids. And one such essential amino acid is actually called UC. And the metabolite of UC is actually in the body, it gets converted to a, a wonderful molecule called, it's a very mouthful name, hydroxymethylbutyl, or in short, HMP. It has many, many functions. In fact, if I have to summarize, it has three main functions. Number one, it increases the protein synthesis. Number two, it increases the insulin sensitivity. Number three, it reduces the fat mass. These are three. There are many functions, but you have to summarize these three. Now, we need UC to make HMB. We need about three grams of HMB per day on an average. Now, to make one gram of HMB, we need 20 grams of UC. A standard American diet, which is full of meat and full of fat, it hardly gives about five or six grams. And the Indian diet, it's woefully inadequate as far as UC is concerned. A very good way is actually to divide that into two doses, about 1.5 grams twice a day. If you're getting adequate heat for the diet, which is a bit of a challenge, then we don't need to. But because it's a common thing not to get adequate UC in our Indian diet, it's better to actually take it and be number one. Number two, those who are recovering from any of this acute illness, or those who are admitted to the intensive care units, those who are ventilated, in other words, those who have had a very severe illness and are recovering, they actually do much better if this particular HMB is supplemented, apart from the oral nutrition supplement. When anyway, we are giving these patients other medications. So why not a medicine which we know actually work and has been shown to be having a positive clinical outcome by asking the patient to actually have it? You can have it in the yogurt, you can have it, you can mix it into a drink, you can have it in any way, whichever way you want. But see that it, it enters the system. Those who are on immunosuppression, 
or post-drug transfer, they are not acutely ill. Those who are unfortunate to develop with various immunodeficiency diseases, like those who are born with some sort of an immune deficiency, or those who have an acquired immunodeficiencies, like HIV say AIDS or whatever, or those who are on chronic steroid, they are the ones that actually have very significant muscle loss or in addition to their bone loss, osteopenia and osteoporosis. They are the ones who actually are the target patients who actually will do very well if we actually give this HMB. Apart from a healthy diet, there is definitely an argument to make in favor of supplementing HMB in patients who actually need, uh, which can mind you in most of them, and in individuals who well, who maintain a very active diet. You know, majority of our population being vegetarian, it's they, they struggle a lot in finding protein and, you know, in that case, leucine and HMB. So I feel like it's really important to supplement it with good nutrition. And you can find besides meat, like, you know, Dr. Reddy said, yogurt, uh, walnuts, almonds, you know, you can find your protein in that which contains HMB and uh, edamame. But again, that falls into, you know, people not affording it. A lot of your uh, complex carbohydrates like quinoa, amaranth has enough, you know, a little bit of protein in it. So just making sure that your food is has that protein requirement that you can get from it. Exercise and good nutrition, I think, should be, you know, like a good way of deriving that. Also, if required, oral supplementation of HMB. All right. Thank you so much for that. Jasmine, so, you know, you must have seen this very closely. And I'm sure Dr. Eddie is also aware of this, but post-workout, there's a tend-to-consume protein-exclusive supplement. As you know, experts in your fields, I want to hear from the both of you about your views of the same. And Dr. Eddie, if you would uh, like to go first on this. The magic word here is anabolic window. An hour before or an hour or within one, one and a half hour soon after your workout, and that's when uh, we need to replenish. If you're doing a high-intensity or, or it's just training, better to have two. The muscles do not really bend in the in, in her gym. They actually build when we are asleep. And that is at times keep apart from sleeping so very essential. We also need to feed these muscles adequately. If you take whey protein only and they're not casein, there are many forms of casein and not wind. So if you give casein as such, then that's when the muscles are being built up. And important thing here is to have back in the anabolic window, either one hour before or one hour after. Thank you, Dr. Eddie. Yasmin, your views on consuming, you know, protein-exclusive supplements. So, it's important to consume protein. Again, for women more than men, because after a certain age, we lose bone density. And our muscles, if you have strong muscles, they support your bone, right? And I always encourage women to build muscle to support their bones as they age. That can be done faster and more efficiently with the consumption of protein in that one, one and a half hour window, as Dr. Reddy says, because your muscles don't build in the gym, they build at rest. So it's like you've worked out, you've broken muscle tissue, anabolic state, you've put protein in right after your workout, and then you relax and allow the body to do its magic. Thank you, Yasmin. So following up from that, Dr. Reddy, in this case, you know, could you give the listeners something to keep in mind when selecting a nutrition supplement and specifically protein supplement? Somebody's uh, having a very good balanced diet. He or she doesn't need any of these supplements. But having said that, most of us do not have a healthy diet. It's better to have a supplement. It certainly helps. So you did say in, sometime in the conversation a while ago, Dr. Eddie, that uh, 
I might be, you know, generalizing over here, but one of the takeaways I had was that this, the middle class could be more susceptible to poorer muscle health. And you have also just said that a lot of Indians don't have great diet. So in that case, a product like HFB would uh, really be helpful, especially if you're looking to uh, do some exercise and uh, resistance training. If is that is that fair? Yeah, you hit it. Because uh, the very important thing here is what you just said, resistance training or exercise followed by HMB. So not only HMB will not do any good. So it has to be coupled. It's in the Indian yand. So you can't get one there without the other. So yes, definitely. Perfect. That sounds like a great soundbite for this podcast also. I would like to, you know, bring this uh, illuminating conversation to a close by seeking nuggets of information from both your personal lives. You both are experts of your respective fields with exceptionally busy schedules, I would imagine at least. What's your formula for keeping your muscle health? Significant part of my work is actually in the academics. Significant part of it is patient care. This, the other significant part is actually me, me time. And that me time is actually not only the diet. Uh, I'm very fussy about what I eat. I'm very fussy about what I do not eat as well. And physical fitness, uh, five to six times, I actually subscribe it. I do not build up any gym. I have a gym at home and I do all my things there. And uh, I do about 100 push-ups, 25 to 4. Uh, I do about 10 pull-ups into 3 uh, every third day. I love the 30. I do skipping and I do high intensity. I jog at 15 miles, 15 kilometers an hour. And then I come down to 6 kilometers an hour for 2 minutes and then go back to another 2 minutes. I do this about 2 times a week. Uh, the reason is I have a genetic hypertension, but I do not need any medication. Most of it is in But I'm mindful of the fact that my diet, because I'm more passionate about the animal, the animals and pro-attitude animals, so I, that's the reason why I'm a vegetarian. And so I am very mindful of what I eat. At the same time, I know that I need a bit of supplement. So I see and that my cheat code is actually it should be 10 gray protein, which is actually an advert product because it comes from me. But that is my mantra. Perfect. Uh, Yasmin, if you'd want to go ahead. So for me, fitness came much later. Still in my teens, I mean, I, I started working out. And I think what worked for me is liking what I did. So I really enjoyed the aerobic class that I started going. And so it became a way of life. You know, I decided to become an instructor. When I was teaching, I would really enjoy doing what I did. So doing what you love to do is a great thread. Yasmin, I think I read something about you where uh, one of the first few times that you actually took a training session was a life-changing experience for you. In that same vein, could you maybe talk to about how, or, you know, in give closing comments with regards to how a product like HMB, uh, did you notice anything if you, you know, ever taken it? Like I said earlier, you know, it helps with muscle soreness. It helps with recovery. It helps with, you know, delaying the process of lactic acid buildup. So I feel like the importance of taking it right after a workout in that window is really helpful because it helps you recover and then when you're resting, that's when the magic happens. So I think HMB and uh, basically protein supplementation is really important for recovery for right after your workout. Thank you, Dr. Reddy and Yasmin. You have dropped some powerful knowledge for our listeners today. There have been insightful takeaways and I'm sure our listeners would agree. So I think uh, 
My biggest takeaway in today's talk is uh, meeting Dr. Reddy, who's a decade older than me. And I always thought I was a good fit 52-year-old. But today I meet him and I still think that, okay, I have to work harder because age is just a number. You know, literally age is just a number. It doesn't matter. I think age is also, besides being just a number, just an excuse. Because at the end of the day, the clothes we wear, the makeup we put on is not going to matter. It's going to matter how we feel from inside because that's what's going to show on the outside. Wonderful. Dr. Reddy? Yeah, cool. Dr. Mo with Yasmin. Most of my class, most of my peers, uh, including uh, those who are uh, not as young as me in the hospital, they think they say that they are where they're feeling very weak. It's actually uh, quite true because they probably are feeling weak because of two Ps. And uh, the biggest P is actually the, it's, a, it's a psychological, it's a mind thing. The moment they realize that, oh, I'm over 45 or, you know, I'm 50 and about, it's a psychological thing that they inhibit themselves to stop doing what they want to do or what they were doing in the past. Well, if they can get over that, then nothing like it. Perfect. It's all in the head. Thank you, Dr. Eddie and Yasmin. So there you have it. Dr. Eddie and Yasmin have given you the A to Z on muscle health with its importance being highlighted as not just limited to fitness, but muscle loss being linked to diseases, impairment of immunity, and an increased risk of infection. We've also learned that uh, muscle health can be achieved through a combination of strength exercises and a complete balanced diet with adequate macro and micronutrients. Specifically, HMB has been shown to be an important supplement for maintaining and restoring lean body mass, muscle strength and function in adults. We'll be back with more such brilliant conversations. This is Divyam Tripathi signing off for Health As We Know It.